Hi, friends, and welcome to the Story Forge podcast. I'm your host, Lyle Smith, and today I have a conversation I recorded about a week ago with the mayor of my hometown. Now, that may not seem on the surface to be a fit for this show, but I've been following the way Mary Jane Canos has been communicating with her constituents for some time now, and I thought it was the perfect subject for a Story Forge episode. Longtime Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives, Tip O'Neill, said often that all politics is local. And that truism is never so vivid as in the operation of a town like Bernardsville, New Jersey. It's a little town, fewer than 8,000 people. It's a pretty wealthy town by most measurements, and it's a town that's literally built on a mountain where mostly the bigger houses where the more prosperous people live are higher up on the hill than those further down. It's a town that literally has an other side of the tracks, where historically the people who built the town live, the service people who ran the local businesses that served the larger homes and estates further up the Bernersville Mountain. At the turn of the 20th century, the train line that ran out from New York into the Somerset Hills was known as the Millionaire's Express. It has a town square cut through by Minebrook Road and Anderson Hill Road and Mount Airy Road. It was a really great place to grow up. It's more racially diverse now than when I grew up there. It's very different, but it's also very much the same. And I reached out to Mayor Canos, a former neighbor of mine from when I was a child, to see if she wanted to chat about her job and career and some of the more surprising responsibilities that have bubbled up in a time of a worldwide pandemic. Neither one of us was sure how it would turn out. But in this time, When so much cynicism rules the way people think about the way government at every level is responding to things, I thought it was important to dig down into what it's like at that local level, that most important level to community and living together, and what kind of leadership is important in those places at this time. So here's my conversation with the mayor. Ah, there we go. I don't know what I did, but it's working. Oh, okay. Very good. Sorry about that. Uh, so, very good. So, how are you? I am well, thank you. How are how are things in uh, in in the in the Beeville? They're busy. Um, you know, Monday we get to open for outside dining. So I was just in the process uh, when we got on the call of filling out an application, trying to request the DOT to let us close 202 from Claremont to Mount Airy so we okay. could let restaurants bring tables out on like Friday night. Because if you remember, our sidewalks are fairly narrow. Yeah, they so are. It's, um, there's the Japanese restaurant, there's the Bernardsville Cafe, there's Sete. Um, all along that strip that really right. had nowhere to go. Right. Um, so we thought if we could just close that block on a Friday night and let them bring tables out, maybe have some, you know, music, just make it kind of a, a public space. Right. Right. So, well, that would be kind of fun, really. I mean, there's never really been anything like that in Bernardsville. No, we've had street fairs back in the day, but it's been a while. Yeah. So, yeah, that'd be a fun, I think it might be a fun, uh, and we could use a little fun, frankly. Yeah, <laughs> it's for fun. I don't know if you heard, it was at Point Pleasant where five over 500 people descended on the beach. Oh my gosh. In a giant party of drinking and smoking weed and oh. 
yeah, it was kind of wild. That's a bit much. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bit much. I want to do something. So, yeah. And it's hard. We're on a state highway. So every time you want to do something, you have to get permission from the Department of Transportation. Yeah, I would think. And there's got to be a, sort of a, a plan for how people get around it and all that sort of thing, too, no? Actually, it's pretty easy because you can go up Claremont. Cause mm -hmm. Claremont, Mill Street. Okay. And, right. And if you're coming the other way, you'd have to just go to my map one more right. block. So that's, right. It's not a not too far. No, it's not too but terrible. Keep, you know, Olcott Square would stay open so you could still get across to that. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because it's, um, you know, for, uh, and I'm still getting used to who my audience is here. So depending on who's listening, I may not know what Bernersville is all, all about. It's uh, a small town of about 7,000 people or so. Almost 8,000. Almost 8,000. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a small town with a, with a town square and, uh, uh the main square has uh, Route 202 is the the main uh, state highway that runs through right. uh, one one lane each direction and um, and uh, several spokes off of that and uh, roads they're not ours either um, right right so that's got to that's got to create some um, uh, logistical uh, challenges for you no yeah 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 well it's interesting you know and we have a train line. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think what happens is people get frustrated that things take so long to happen or they don't happen because we have so many regulatory agencies. Right. Go, like we're we're gonna we're trying to get a mural painted on. If you remember, when you leave town on Mount Airy, you mm -hmm. go over the train tracks, and right. there's two giant cement walls on either side, ugly, gray. So um, uh, Karen Frost was the. Her specialty, she does murals. Oh, so wow. we hired her to paint murals on these two walls. But mm -hmm. and we have to get permission from New Jersey Transit. Right. Pay a fee to paint, to beautify their walls. Right. Um, you know, you have to get JCP&L because to cut the trees that hang over, you know, it's too close to their lines. So right. their people have to come do it. Um, you know, closing Mount Airy to allow people to paint because it's a community thing. Is mm -hmm. in county permission, right? So there's so many pieces that go into people. Go, Big deal. We're painting a mural, you know. Right. Well, so, it's interesting because this is this is something. This is kind of what I wanted to get into because it's it's um, you know even even in a small town, uh, maybe even more so in a small town. Sometimes um, we we like to think of we, we like when it comes to politics or government or government services, we, we like to, you know, just as a general rule, we like to demand what we want and what we think we deserve. And we think the people we call up who are in, who are in charge can just make it happen no matter what and anytime. Tap your fingers. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, uh, and we don't always realize how much is involved in making even a small town's government work. Right. Um, yeah. So that's that's really interesting. But well, let me let me go back just a little bit and say because you you haven't always been mayor of Bernersville. No. Uh, what what? Yeah. So let's go back to um, you know how did you get started in all this? Where where did you come from uh, professionally? Uh, it's uh, 
professionally, I was a school business administrator. Okay. Um, I, I was on the council back in the 90s, mm-hmm. back when I was more involved in, you know, when the kids were little mm-hmm. and I was involved in the PTA and things that were going on in town. And like most of the, my constituents now, um, don't realize what government can and can't do. Right. And so a group of us, uh, we formed a group called Citizens for a Better Burnersville, okay. which was uh, a nonprofit to try and get the county to be more transparent. It was back in that day, it was kind of the good old boys, handpicked people on the council, <laughs> you know, all men. Well, actually it wasn't, there were three women, but you know, they, you got invited to be on the council. Right. to one right and you know nobody really knew what was going on nobody went to the meetings and a couple of us felt like you know we want to know what's going on we want to have a voice we think people should get more involved in what happens in our town mm-hmm. so we formed this group and we did um we built a couple of playgrounds in town and just tried to get people involved right uh and then i decided i would run for council Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I think, the first person that ever ran uninvited. <laughs> I didn't go to, you know, I mean, you had to, I was always an independent, had to declare a party because you can't get elected without a party in Burnsville. Right. I had to be Republican then. Right. So I, you know, was a Republican something because I didn't go to the Republican committee to get their endorsement. Right. I just ran. And one, which surprised me. So, um, <laughs> probably said, surprised them too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I was on the council for two terms, six years, and then I really learned, I, you know, how government works. Mm-hmm. Um, now going back, you know, and then you know, as my children got older, I went back to work full time and worked for a school system mm-hmm. um, as the business administrator. So dealing with all the, you know, the, the whole job of the business administrator in a school system is everything that is not curriculum related. So right. uh, keeping the district compliant with all the government rules and regulations, the budgeting, the payroll, the buses, the, the buildings, the facilities, all that. Right. So, I mean, literally you are the business of the school. So you're, you're dealing with all the, not too different from, you know, local government either, really. I mean, no. you're, dealing, you're dealing with the budget, you're dealing with the services provided. Um, making sure, you know, everything, <laughs> probably things like making sure the trash gets picked up yeah. and, uh, you know, right down to the erasers getting pounded out, uh, at the end of the day, almost yeah. <laughs> we for next year. Right. Yeah. So, so I mean, yeah, work. I mean, so the skill set is not, uh, I don't want to say it's, it's, it's a direct match, but it's not too different really. No. And it's pretty much the same, um, laws that you're following you know the right. laws are the same whether it's for a school you know any public entity has the right. same laws the same filing deadlines the same kinds of compliance issues so um i feel like coming in this time i know a lot more right <laughs> than right. i did then right and now that i'm retired i you know i have the time so, right which i think is you know people keep telling me and you know, i'm the the most um involved visible mayor we've had and I, you know, I tell them it's not really me. It's that I have time. Right. Well, yeah. and that's, that's part of it. I mean, that's, that's what made me want to talk to you about this in the first place is, is I, I've been following, you know, the hometown news from, from my hometown where I grew up and I saw how you were handling communication about everything that's been going on 
of late. Um, and I thought, wow, that's really, um, you know, I, I don't know if it's unique. It's unique to my experience. Uh, but I thought it was really kind of impressive and I liked it. If I were a citizen of Bernardsville again, I would be very happy to have that kind of communication level going on because, uh, I think, you know, I had a, uh, my last episode, I had a friend say, you know, he, he was, he's in, um, technology businesses and, and software as a service and all that stuff. And he said, in the absence of information, we tend to fill in the gaps with the worst case scenario. Absolutely. And, That's very, very astute. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think it's just a natural tendency because if, if we don't know, we're going to imagine how horrible it could um, you know, and in a small town where you can, you know, most people feel like they can pick up the phone and call the mayor <laughs> at any given time. Uh, how is that experience for you? I mean, because you step into that seat as, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's probably you get a certain amount of calls as, as a council person. Um, but as mayor, you're, you know, they say heavy is the head that wears the crown, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't have one. I, I, mean, <laughs> I didn't give me the crown. Must come with my salary. <laughs> Another joke, but um, it's, you know, it, I like to be helpful. I think right. that's kind of always been my thing. Um, I've always volunteered. I've always been involved with nonprofits, even, you know, as, as a citizen. Right. And, and, you know, it, there's no real secret to it. You've, when you help people, you feel better. You know, you get out of your own head when you're helping someone else you know right. your problems go away when you're getting somebody else's problems worked out right so well, as long as people are nice right. <laughs> you know, right um i you know i really enjoy that part of it i like solving problems i like uh, that sense of accomplishment when i've been able to resolve something so um you know and the hard part like you said before i think there's so much on social media that if you don't stay ahead of it it does. It just spreads like crazy. One person says, I think this, and then the next, really, when did that happen? And right. it snowballs. So I think staying ahead of those messages sometimes really helps diffuse fears and the anxieties that people have. Right. And that's, that's an important thing too. And, and, you know, in business, or at least in my business, uh, this, this concept of trust is always a big, a big deal. It's, it's sort of the, the coin of the realm, really. Uh, and if your your customers, uh, in your case, your constituents trust you, and they trust that what you're saying is true, um, that gets you four or five, ten steps ahead of any problem that way because they're willing to listen, as opposed to just absorb a rumor they heard somewhere. Yeah, you know, and people may not like what they're hearing. It might not be mm. the answer they want, but at least you know I feel better if they believe that I'm telling them the truth. It's not. It's not you know, what, what they were hoping for, but it, at least they feel like it's a valid answer. Right. And I've, I've found, you know, and the phrase, I don't know, uh, <laughs> can be a very powerful thing. Um, you know, cause if you, if somebody asks you a question about something that's really, really important to them and you don't know the answer, if you go out on a limb and just kind of guess at it mm. and, then, and then you're wrong. Yeah. That's a real problem, right? Yeah. I always say, let me check on that. <laughs> yeah. Let I'll me check back. it. And, and as long as you get back to them, I mean, that's a really powerful 
uh, ally to you <laughs> as a, as a you know, leader. What I find that the biggest response I get all the time is if I get an email or a phone call, I respond the same day and right. people are always shocked. Right. Wow. You got back to me. Right. Like, would you not expect me to get back to you? Right. My job. Well, there's a lot of that, you know, we've been dealing, you know, for years and years and years now with, with say, you know, very large corporations where you call 800 numbers when you have a problem and there's no guarantee that you're going to get called back that day. There's no guarantee that you're going to get your problem solved right soon or uh, regard, you know, let alone ever sometimes is is how it feels. From person to person to person or to number to number to number. Yeah. So I do, I try and get back to people, even if I don't have the answer, at least to hear what it is that they're concerned about. And, and it usually helps diffuse whatever they're upset about right. if they respond right away. Because right. the longer you wait, the more angry they get or the more um, upset or whatever. So yeah, that just, frustration yeah. level can really kind of climb in a hurry, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I think it was, I love this idea because you, you said you had to declare a party to run. And um, and you said to me when we were setting this all, all up, you said, you know, some, some people think you're a Democrat, uh, but you're a Republican. And of course, you know, Burnersville is sort of a Republican enclave, if you like. Uh, I remember that growing up. And uh, uh, but on the other hand, you know, you're dealing with a small town and, and, and you're trying to help people. And, you know, what was it? Um, Tip O'Neill, I think it was, used to say all politics is local. And I mean, that you've, you've got to be, you know, sitting in that, that chair where all those, all those things cross over. No, it's, uh, it's changing because we now have three Democrats and three Republican council people. Oh, okay. I'm the Republican mayor. Mm-hmm. Um, I try not to bring politics into it. I try not to have issues split by politics. You know, I try yeah, to or partisanship anyway. Partisanship. I'm, yeah. I'm um, you know, I don't consider myself a politician. I think of myself as a public servant. Great. You know, and my first obligation is to the members of the community, not to you know a party. Right. I don't. You know, on this level, you're talking about getting roads paved or having events downtown or do we open the swimming pool or don't we during COVID? It's not, has nothing to do with partisanship. Right. Well, it's providing the services that, yeah. When people try and make it that way, because it should. Right. And it's, and you know, I think that's, that's something that I think every level of politics right on up to the feds uh, could learn a thing or two from, you know, Uh, I always used to say one of my, I, I, I have this <laughs> vague, naive notion that the CEOs of every major large corporation in America should have to work in the mailroom for, you know, two weeks every year and earn that salary for two weeks every year. Yeah. Just to understand what that's all about. What it's just to mm-hmm. remember what it is like to be in those shoes. And, um, and I think I think government's kind of the same way. If you if you were in a place where you know you're a senator or a, con- a congressperson, and um, all of a sudden you're just in a position where you could actually do some good for somebody right now by giving them the answer, you know, wh- again whether it's an answer they they want or not, like or don't, it's an answer. You know, as opposed to you know doing all the spin all the time. 
Right. And, and trying to, you know, navigate, well, if I say this, I say that's just, you know, these people are going to react. And that. It, it, right. it, sometimes it's a fine line to walk. Right. I, I try not to get down in that, you know, even now we're having, you know, we had actually Burnersville had a big protest last week for Black Lives Matters, which is so not Burnersville. Right. Um, we had probably close to almost 500 people that marched from the high school down wow. to uh, the train station with signs, very peaceful, nice people. It was well organized. Well, right. the police uh, didn't participate, but they were there to support them. Right. It was really, it went well. Um, Excellent. The only, you know, and I supported them, you know, I'd let people know this was happening and, but I did not march in it mainly because I'm over the 65 age for COVID, you know, and right. I'm a cancer survivor. So right. I did not want to put myself in a crowd. Right. And I, you know, I got some criticism for that, like, right. that I marched with them. And I said, you know, and, and then I got criticism for kind of supporting them from the old town right. entrenched. But, you know, I can't please everyone. I just can't. And I have to do what I think is right. So. Right for me and for the majority of people in town. So right. Right. And I think that's, you know, you have a, a what, a guiding principle, a guy, you know, a, a North star in, in how you think about things. That's, uh, it's hard to go wrong if, if you put it right. in those terms, I think, you know, yeah. Yeah. yeah some people are going to be upset. Yeah, you know, what, but what's the, the Republican side of this and what's the Democrat, you know, it's, it's like, no, what's the right thing? to do yeah if you're basing basing it on right and wrong i think you're 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 going to be better served in the long run so you said you've been mayor for a year and a half or so so now we have a worldwide pandemic hits uh, <laughs> with with differing levels of of um you know information and uh leadership at different levels in different places and state and federal and what have you um and so, and, and more of a hot spot in the New York, New Jersey area than anywhere in the country. Um, how do you handle that? What, what, is you, what do you see as, that, as, that, as all that's coming down? What do you see as your responsibility? And, and how do you handle everything that's going on? Uh, what I've been trying to do is, again, keep the information flowing. It changes every day. You know, every day something else comes from the governor. Um, people, I've got people who, you know, want me to open it. Why isn't the mayor opening everything? And I try and explain to them, that's not my decision. That's, we have to wait for the governor to tell right. us. Um, we, I let them know, you know, what we're, that I, we form this group of mayors for Main Street mm -hmm. with a lot of the local uh, mayor. I think there's 20 of us in the group and we wrote letters um, asking for, levels of support for our small businesses and, and trying to get them to move a little faster, but safely. Right. Um, so, you know, and I created a, uh, a mail group for most of the businesses downtown. So every time I would hear of something, grants, loans, um, you know, what the next executive order, you know, I shoot that out to them and I've been trying to work with the small businesses to support them. Um, it's, uh, we have both sides, people who think, you know, it, it was a hoax. <laughs> there is right. no real disease out there and I don't care. And people <laughs> who 
still haven't left their homes. You know, they don't touch their mail. Right. Um, so it's trying to balance that, that if we're, you know, as we're opening, I've been trying to work with the businesses to make sure they have all the tools. They know what the regulations are. They know right. what and then can't do because we want them to, you know, some of them, especially like hair salons, they've had nothing. Yeah. They've had no business, no curbside, no online, nothing. So, um, you know, I've been trying to work with them to put together what they think are good guidelines, sending those to the governor mm-hmm. to incorporate into his guidelines. Right. So um, it, it's been uh, very busy. Right. I would think. Yeah. But I, I think would... most of it is just, you know, keeping people up to date on what's, what's changed. Okay. What, what's, what came down today? I mean, we just went from. 25 people now you can have a hundred people outside and then next week it's 250 right so now we're struggling with graduation right a lot of upset parents about graduation right so right. what we did as a borough um we ordered banners that say congratulations bhs class of 2020 mm-hmm. that were hang all down 202 nice um i got the theater that's been closed to put up on their marquee. So, you know, we're trying to be supportive um, and helpful. And the the big thing is keeping people safe. Yeah. I mean, we had today, our, our governor here in Florida uh, made an announcement locally where, where they're bringing in the AAU junior Olympics in three weeks because It, because it got canceled and it didn't get canceled. They couldn't host it in uh, Virginia where it was originally scheduled because they, the venues weren't, weren't allowed to open. So our governor went and thought this would be a great opportunity to get some business into the area. So he made this announcement and my, my position on it, um, you know, while trying not to be alarmist <laughs> is look, you know, the U S open golf championship is canceled for 2020 the PGA championship is canceled for 2020 for safety reasons. Wimbledon is canceled for safety reasons. Uh, the Olympics are canceled for safety reasons. By all means, bring in a bunch of kids competing nationally from all over the country to compete oh. here because it was canceled somewhere else for safety reasons. Oh. So I, it's, it, these are, you know, it's, and I, I don't want to say, you know, I'm not one to close us down forever because, you know, yeah, it's not that's not possible. <laughs> but on the other hand, you have to you have to pay attention to some sense of safety, right? Yeah. And I think you know, opening up businesses with very strict guidelines, right, um is okay cuz I think a lot of people have learned right to do and what not to do. You right. know, they know now to wash, don't touch the doorknobs, don't touch right. the face. You know, we've like We've learned those things. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, the, the news this week was New Zealand, I think, had zero new cases and, and they've been opening things up and all that. But they had the same thing, but they're opening up with very strict social distancing guidelines. And yeah. because, again, the virus hasn't gone anywhere. It's just, no. it's no. you know, we've beaten it back a little bit, but, you know, we still need to pay attention, I think. Someone posted it's not... Um what is it that it's opening up is not, you know, with the flattening the curve is it's not about uh, the virus has gone away. It just means there's a bed for you in the hospital. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Which, you know, has a, a scary, you know, intent yeah. meaning in it anyway. But well, I mean, but that's a, but that's a fine line in, in your, in your seat, in your 
uh, yeah. in your responsibility, a fine line to be, you know, because you're, you're an advocate in addition to being the mayor and, and handling, you know, most of the, the sort of business of the town, you are an advocate for the citizens of the town to the state and others, county and what have you, uh, for their safety and for their business. Yeah, and we're in the process. We've been trying to revitalize downtown. We have a couple of uh, redevelopment programs going. Um, I don't know if you remember Quimby Lane, where the post office is. Yeah. So, you know, a couple of um, investors, developers purchased some of those buildings there, and we're trying to recreate that area into mm -hmm. more of a social gathering, restaurant, retail, mm. residential kind of Okay. So, you know, and we were just kind of getting momentum on that. We had a new organization, Downtown Bernardsville, that right. was doing activities and community things. And it's it's all come to a halt, pretty much. Right. We're moving ahead with the redevelopment, but, you know, all the community things have stopped. Right. It's frustrating. So, um, it, it, I don't know. It's, it's a challenge, I can't tell you, but it's... It's a problem to be solved. We'll get yeah. there. Well, but that's it. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, um, I've said this to other people on this uh, podcast is that, you know, we know it's not going to last forever. Right. Uh, but it's, you know, we have to treat it seriously for what's going on and we have to respond to the, the economic impact of it. Yeah. Responsibly. It's very different. Right? Yeah, I think we'll see a lot of empty office buildings because people have learned to work from home successfully. Right. You know, I, it's going to be a whole new, you know, I think some industries are not going to make it and we'll see some new, new industries. You know, it's probably change faster than we normally would see it, but it's going to be change. Right. I think that's true. And, you know, certain um, sectors like, you know, any, any of the service sectors, like you say, hair salons. And, uh, you know, eventually, you know, people are still going to need to get their hair cut and colored, but it's, um, some of these businesses will survive. Some of them won't. Some of them will reinvent themselves. Yeah. Restaurants will, will figure out other ways of doing things. You know, a lot of restaurants around here are doing uh, takeout that never did takeout before. You know, yeah. trying to figure out ways to, to you know, just pivot and do things differently. Uh, we have one restaurant in town, um, Sete. I don't know if it was here when you were here. It's It was rated one of the best in the country. Oh, okay. He only has eight tables. It's very tiny. It's right oh, next wow. to the movie theater. Yeah. And he, you know, with eight tables, even if he's at half capacity, you know, yeah. or they say 25% capacity, yeah. it's not going to work for him. But no. he's a really uh, talented businessman. Right. And he said he's rethinking his whole business plan. He may just do, does a good catering business, always right. have. Um, but he's thinking he's going to turn it into a market where you come in and you pick up your dinner, you know, and you look in the case and, you know, things are prepared right. and you can take them home and just not do the, the table service anymore. Hmm. So, you know, that's what people are coming up with. Is you have to be inventive. You have to. I mean, I'm curious what, like the movie theater, for example, uh, the movie business is going to take a real hard hit all around the world, honestly. And uh, I remember that theater when it was one screen when I was a kid. Uh, it's where I saw Star Wars mm -hmm. uh, for the first time. 
and uh, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how that's how that's going to shake out in the end. Yeah, they were talking about not reopening at all, looking for buyers, and mm -hmm. then. We have another business in town. Um, he's all service. He does, um, you know, rewires your house kind of thing. Okay. And really just brilliant go-getter kind of guy. And, you know, I connected him with the owner of the theater, and they're coming up with new ways to maybe use it, like maybe one room's an arcade or, you know, reworking the space somehow. Right. Um so hopefully that won't go away because that's, you know, we're one of the few that still have that kind of downtown little theater. It's I love that. That was one of my favorite things ever. I used to go to the, I used to go to the movies there all the time. And uh, I remember reading, because uh, years ago I worked, I worked at the Madison Eagle, at the Madison uh, yeah. uh, paper. And um, uh, I remember reading in one of the papers that their theater was closing. And I was like, oh. Yeah. So it was yeah, so sad to me. One. I know Chatham used to have one. I think yep. theirs closed, and very. Yeah. Uh, I think ours is one of the last left that was still an actual theater. So right. Well, the small ones have. This is this is another thing. I mean, a small uh, business always changes. Uh, the economy always shifts and moves, and um, you know, climbs and and falls with uh, trends. And, you know, the small theaters have always had kind of a hard time, at least for, you know, a couple of generations now uh, with the, the large um, multiplexes first and then the digital theaters and all that kind of stuff. So they've always kind of had had a, a rough, a tough road to hoe. Um, but, you know, for me, uh, I, I, that's always been one of my more enjoyable movie going experiences is going to these little theaters because they're they just feel like they feel homey you know uh-huh i know i get you know the new theaters now they have those big giant seats and you push yeah. all the buttons and i don't know it's, it's almost overkill i i think it is sometimes you know they're fun for some things and then uh yeah you know sometimes it's just fun you know because that's the thing about burnersville you'd, you'd walk through town and you just you run into people you run into everybody you know mm -hmm. um you know it's I, I joke with people who don't understand where i come from and say oh it was a little like growing up in mayberry um <laughs> and it's 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 not really no yeah, uh, it's but bigger it's bigger than mary it's it, mayberry it's a little more cosmopolitan than mayberry but it's a small town and everybody not, not if, if if everybody doesn't know everybody everybody knows almost everybody somebody it, yeah. it, you can't go to shop right without running into somebody you know? right absolutely absolutely so where do you see this going you're you're mayor for for a bit more time yeah uh where where do you where do you see all of this heading and then where do you see uh your role in that good question um it's four years is a long time yet i can't believe a year and a half has already gone by right um People keep asking me if I'm going to do another term. I, you know, let me get through this one first. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm excited about the changes. And right. I'd like to be part of it and see some of these things come to fruition. I'd like to see the Quimby Lane project get done. I'd like to see our downtown get, get going again and right. get those activities back and things happening in town. Um, you know, we were really working on building that community spirit, that sense of community. Right. Uh, matter of fact, the uh, the two um, murals. One was 
I should send you the copy of the drawing because they're really it's it's gorgeous. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Um, but one side has a it says you know small town big community. Right. It's kind of the slogan, and that's what we've been really focusing on is that nice. sense of community. And nice. I'd like to keep working on that. I also I'm starting a diversity council in response to the protest march. So mm -hmm. we start that dialogue um, with. For us, for Bernardsville, the you know the uh, marginalized people are our Latino community. Right. Um, so I want to bring that group together and really start working on how we can have those communities merge and ha help them become part of our community, feel like they belong. Right. So there's a lot of work to do. <laughs> it's interesting, you know, because I mean, all these, th and I think that 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 old expression, "all politics is local," is is really apt here because it's it's all the same challenges you're talking about. They're just at different levels or different mm -hmm. scales, uh, but there's a lot of the same things you have yeah. to deal with. You're really just kind of taking care of people, right? Yeah, it's more hands-on on this level. Mm -hmm. It's more personal, I mm -hmm. think. Um, sometimes it's more emotional, mm -hmm. but it's, I think it's more rewarding on this level. That's good. That's good. I, I wish we could have more of that uh, perspective uh, everywhere. Yeah. Well, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep trying, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, Mary Jane, for being on, on the show. I really appreciate all your insight into this. Thank you for inviting me. This was fun. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. I, I'd love to get Ooh, some insight into <laughs> It's true. All right. Well, take care. All right. So that's my conversation with Mary Jane Canos, mayor of a small town in the midst of a challenging time. Just trying to make the best decisions in the face of all sorts of reactions from all sorts of people working hard to be a good and trusted public servant. I hope you liked it. I truly did. My hometown making me proud. Thanks for listening. Be careful out there. If you find yourself enjoying the StoryForge podcast, please give us a review at Apple Podcasts or we're on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It helps others find the show and hopefully enjoy it as much as you do. All recording, editing, and executive producing tasks are handled by yours truly, Lyle Smith of NimbleSmith, the content marketing agency. This podcast would not be possible without the sincerely excellent help of our friend and associate producer, Anthony Sergi, who produces numerous podcasts, including the truly excellent A Guest in the House about all things hip-hop. The music on the podcast was provided by Jody Nardone and the Jody Nardone Trio, Lights Will Guide You Home album. And if you'd like to send us questions or feedback or suggestions for other subjects or guests, you can reach us through the StoryForge website. That's thestoryforge.com, all words separated by hyphens. Or you can email us at cheers at nimblesmith.com, spelled N-Y-M-B-L-E-S-M-I-T-H. Thanks very much.